You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Can we just give it up for all the small group leaders in the room? Yes, come on. Because you do make all the difference. You really do make all the difference. We really believe that. And uh, Adrian's gonna tell you a little bit more about it at the end of the service. But I wanna encourage you uh, to uh, start thinking right now because at the end, we're gonna ask you to go and sign up to be a small group leader. And so if you start thinking now, by the time the end of the service comes, you'll be like ready to go. It won't be news to you by then because you'll know. Uh, we are so excited about this series that we're um, in right now, if I could just get my iPad open. Don't you just love technology, the touch thing? I'm like, I'm touching it, I'm touching it. It's telling me to touch it, to open. I'm touching, I'm trying. Anyway, <laughs> iPad issues. Okay, uh, we've got a great series that we're doing at the moment. We're calling it Chasing Shadows. And we're looking throughout the Old Testament at times in the Bible when uh, we see uh, people who are a, or, or an event or something that happens that foreshadows the coming of Christ. And, uh, you know, when we look at the Bible, I think sometimes we, we often do this where we look at it and we see it as a bunch of stories that are, are stories that have good morals, a bunch of stories that give us good life lessons. Uh, but I think if we look at the whole Bible in that way, we actually miss the fullness of what it could do in our lives. Because the Bible isn't written as stories that will give you good moral lessons for your life. The Bible is a journey to take you step by step closer to discovering who God is. And when you see the events play out, it's like God is slowly revealing more and more of himself to his people. And he's taking them in their understanding of him from being an angry, distant God that they thought he was to being a loving, gracious, interested, near, and invested God that He really is. And He wants to take you and I on the same journey. And so with all that in mind and looking through those eyes, we're gonna look at a man named Boaz today. A man named Boaz that is often named as the kinsman redeemer. Let's pray and then we'll get into it. God, we're so thankful for Your Word. God, we're thankful that it, you wanna take us on a journey of discovery of who you are. And so we pray as we look into the pages of the book of Ruth today, I pray you would just highlight to us and make known to us what it is you want us to understand from this, not just so we can understand it, but so that we can be changed because of it. Lord, would you speak to us now in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, our story begins at a place named Moab where a woman named Naomi is living. Now she's found herself in a really difficult decision where she's lost both her husband and her sons. They have all passed away. And so she's living alone in a foreign land. And in her day, uh, you were very lost if you, had, if you were left with no husband because you were left without provision and without protection. And so Naomi is really in a very difficult decision and her only choice is to go back home, to go back to Bethlehem where her family had moved from and try and make a life for herself there. And so she leaves Moab with her, one of her daughters-in-law, a Moabite woman named Ruth. And they arrive back in Bethlehem ready to see all of her family. And they're all excited to see her, but Naomi arrives 
probably not as excited as they are. She's discouraged. She's disillusioned. She's, she left Bethlehem in the hopes of a better life, and she's come back again, possibly with the tail between her legs, and no family with her, nobody. And all those that she held dear have gone, and she's come back discouraged and disillusioned in that moment, but she knows the law of her people, and she has a plan. So what she does is she asks her daughter-in-law, Ruth, to go and glean in the field of a man named Boaz. Now, what we'll soon discover about Boaz is that he's a near relative of Naomi's late husband, Elimelech. And gleaning is a provision in the law in those days that was a provision for poor people. It legally entitled them to go behind a worker in a field and pick up whatever grain, whatever produce they dropped, whatever crops that were dropped, they were allowed to go behind and glean and pick it up as they dropped it. And so as Ruth was gleaning in Boaz's field, Boaz notices Ruth. There's something about her that he know that catches his attention and he notices her and he begins to show her favor. He invites her to go and glean alongside his female servants and says, here, go work with these ladies. He allows her to drink from the water jars of his workers. He invites her to eat some of the food off his meal table and he commands his male workers not to humiliate her, but to just leave her, don't, don't touch her, just leave her to it. In fact, he says to them, I want you to drop more grain so that she has more to collect. And we find ourselves in Ruth chapter two, verse 17, where it says, so Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she had beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal, which was shared to her by Boaz. Where did you gather all this grain from today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who's helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him. Naomi told her mother-in-law, he is showing kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. Then she says, that man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Family redeemers. Now, we just need to pause right there and get some clarity on what is about to take place and what is about to happen in our story. If you read in the Old Testament, you will become familiar with this phrase. It especially appears in the book of Ruth, this phrase, this term that calls someone a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer is a blood, a male blood relative whose duty, whose responsibility, he's charged with the duty of restoring or recovering the rights of another, either through a person or a property, and avenging wrongs that are done to them. And in Genesis and in Leviticus, we kind of see different circumstances where this kinsman redeemer might need or have necessity to step in. There's a number of different circumstances that might happen should a person find themselves in debt and having to have sold their land or their property in order to pay back that debt. The kinsman redeemer's duty is to pay back and buy back that property on their behalf. Uh, there also may be a need where an Israelite, where there's a, the freeing of an Israelite slave who's had to sell themselves in order to pay off debt. 
uh, the purchase or restitution of that person was the duty of the next of king, the kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer may also seek vindication or defend a close relative who's been murdered and they will work and they will do their absolute best and they consider it their duty to fight the case of that person and see that person avenged for the wrong that was done to them. These are the duties of the kinsman redeemer and we're about to see in our story take place was the buying back of property. We're we're about to see the land of Naomi's late husband bought back after it was sold in the famine. They moved from poverty, sold the property and moved out. But there's another law, a marriage law that's about to come into play. That's quite unusual for us these days. We don't see it happen. Uh, But it's very important for us to understand that when Ruth lived, if a person's brother was to pass, if a man's brother was to pass away, leaving a wife with no children, it was his duty to marry his brother's wife so that they could have children and continue his brother's family name. His uh, legacy, his inheritance could continue through the line of his children. Now, that is uh, not normal for us today. I don't know how that would go down in many families these days, but back then it was actually a law that was written into their way of life. And so we land back in our story in Ruth chapter three, where Ruth says to Naomi, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young woman. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you, take a bath, put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Now you'll know in a minute, it's very important that she notices where Boaz lies down and she doesn't get him mixed up with anyone else. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. Ruth says, I'll do everything you tell me. So she does. She follows all her mother's, mother-in-law's instructions. It says, after Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a young woman lying there. Wouldn't we all? Uh, at his feet, who are you? She says, he says, I'm your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the cover, the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. There it is. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he says. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. You could have gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. He's saying, I'll be your kinsman redeemer for everyone in town knows that you're a virtuous woman. Now, this sounds like a very strange act to me. Like this to you and I seems a bit obscure, a strange interaction if we were to have this happen in our day. In fact, we would probably see it as a little bit like, oh, this is a little bit provocative of Ruth right now. But that was not how this gesture would have been received in the day that Ruth and Boaz found. In in fact, in the culture of the day, what Ruth did would have been uh, seen as total submission. What she was saying as she lay at his feet was, I'm putting my complete and utter trust in you, Boaz, and I'm coming to you with a humble servant heart. What a powerful exchange. What a powerful moment that would have been. Long story short, Boaz marries Ruth, fulfilling the marriage law, and he buys back the land 
uh, that, that was sold by Naomi's late husband during the famine, fulfilling his role as the kinsman redeemer, Boaz, a foreshadowing of Christ who is our kinsman redeemer. Boaz redeemed the line of Elimelech, but God, Jesus Christ, redeemed the line of all of the people of God. Boaz was God's provision for Ruth, but Christ was God's provision for each and every one of us. As our kinsman redeemer, Christ paid our debt that debt that we owed, he came and wiped completely clean the debt of sin that every single one of us is due. When Christ went to the cross, he took our debt on his own shoulders and he paid it all so that you and I could be free. Ephesians 1, 7, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. He paid the debt. He purchased our freedom with, his, with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. In fact, one context of the story that we often miss is that the timing of it is quite interesting. The timing of this event, this uh, event between this exchange between Boaz and Ruth happened during the barley harvest. And what we've got to know about the barley harvest was that it always took place right at Passover. And the Passover meal is quite significant to us as Christians because it was at Passover that the Passover lamb, Christ, went and paid the price and was a sacrifice for each and every one of us. He is our kinsman, redeemer, Christ, our provider, our protector. In a powerful exchange, Christ became our redemption, our restorer, and he set each and every one of us free. Now, that's a really nice story, Bex. That's so great. And boy, that, some of that information is really, really interesting. But what does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? And as I sat there preparing this message, I thought about Ruth. And I thought, what would this really mean for her? Like, what did this mean for her every single day? And I, I wrote a long list, but I thought, I can't get through that list in this time, so I'm just gonna go with four things today that I think it means for you and I as it did for Ruth. Are you ready for the first one? Okay, number one, for you and I, it means there's freedom from my past. It means there's freedom from my past. Have you ever been on or seen someone go on the horizontal bungee? A horizontal bungee. All right, I'm gonna explain it to you. I'm gonna explain it in the room and online. I'll explain it to you. The horizontal bungee is, it's like an, uh, 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 what is it, an activity. It's you're often found at a fairground or a carnival. And what happens is you stand in this thing, you get a bungee cord tied around your waist and it's staked to the ground at one end. And then the prize that you are going for and hoping to receive is at the other end. In my day, it was like a can of Coke or something, something definitely not worth the fight uh, <laughs> at the other end. And there you are attached to this bungee cord. And as you begin to run, it's quite easy at the beginning. It's quite easy. There's nothing really holding you back. And then you start running and you get to a certain point, usually just out of reach of the prize you want. And all of a sudden the tension in the cord is began, you can feel the tension begin to pull you back in the cord. And so you put in a little bit more effort, a little bit more work goes in as you try and reach out for the prize. And nine times out of 10, because how many know if it happened every time, they would not be making any money out of you. Nine times out of 10, you, your strength is just not quite good enough to overpower the bungee cord. And all of a sudden, in an instant, boom, you get pulled right back to the beginning again. Now, 
These days, they, do, they, they organize them and they make them happen in an inflatable runway, right? When I was a kid, it was not an inflatable runway. It was you and the hard ground, and that was it. In fact, there were many broken arms at, a, at horizontal bungees um, during the 90s. Uh, <laughs> do you know, I often think that when you and I try and run into our future without dealing with our past, it's like trying to run attached to a bungee cord. We will always be at risk of being pulled right back into that past. Because there's so many times, isn't there, where we fail to deal with the stuff, where we fail to settle our yesterdays, where we don't work through relational issues and we, we, we still have got things that we're, we're, you know, there's bitterness and there's unforgiveness that we have in the past. There's so many seasons where we don't work on healing the stuff and there's still brokenness back there. And so when we try and run into the future, we time and time again, you will see something and in an instant, all of a sudden, you'll find yourself back in that place. It's because we haven't dealt with it. But can I tell you, can I remind you that with Christ as our kinsman redeemer, he sets us free from the things of the past. The enemy will try and do everything he can to keep you bouncing back to the past that Christ has already saved you from. We can live free from the past. He paid our debt of sin and of shame so that we could step unbridled into the future that he has for us. And so let me ask you this, what past do you need to be free from? What what forgiveness do you need to offer? What do you need to work through? What brokenness do you need to deal with? What stuff in your past do you need to settle now so that you can step into the future that God has for you? With Christ as our Redeemer, there is freedom from my past. Number two, number two, there is provision for my future. There is provision for my future. In 2012, Steve and I went to Minnesota in the States for a friend's wedding. And uh, it was winter time when we went. And so it was very exciting because we saw real live snow. And it wasn't like at Snow Planet in a big box. It was real natural snow that fell from the sky. It was very exciting. Um, And so on the wedding day, it was absolutely beautiful. The most stunning background you could imagine. Only overnight after the wedding day, over into the next day, which was the day we were flying home, they had the biggest snowfall dump of snow that they'd had in 15 years. It was just crazy the amount of snow there was on the roads. And we had to make the two-hour drive back to the airport, only it didn't take two hours, it took six hours. I can understand why they call it the white knuckle ride now because you are holding on for dear life. Uh, We saw police officers who'd gone off into the ditch and we're thinking if a police officer who lives here and drives these roads daily can't stay out of the ditch, what hope have we got? And we said no to the ditch insurance because we thought, why would you need that? (laughs) But Steve did it, no ditches here, come on. He got us all the way there, but it took us six hours and we missed our flight by four. (laughs) So we're at the counter explaining that we missed our flight and they said, well, you're gonna have to buy another ticket. And we were like, well, okay, how much is that gonna cost? They said, it's gonna cost you $1,000. And how many of you know when you get to the end of a holiday, 
or the end of the school holidays or the end of the payday, you know you have used all, the, all your money. Like there is not a cent left because you, you, you maxed it out, man. You maxed it out for the holiday. So flight home, you're just using all your leftover coins in the vending machines. Like <laughs> there's nothing left. So we're there thinking, we look at each other like, and we're both thinking, how on earth are we going to find $1,000 to pay for a flight home? But we both knew we just needed to get home. While I was on the phone to the airline, Steve received a phone call from New Zealand. Someone just happened to go, he's like, hello. Someone is on the phone from back home and they say to us, can we have your bank account number, please? We just felt the Lord tell us that we needed to gift gift you some money for your trip and we'd like to put $1,000 into your bank account. Come on. I just want to remind you today that your God is a God who provides. I've heard story after story of money in letterboxes or uh, someone turning up at a supermarket to pay for someone's groceries while they're standing in the line with not enough money to pay. I've heard of multiple families now where a fire has just burned down their entire house and within a week they're set up in a new house with everything they needed. Listen, God is a God who provides. And those are dramatic stories. That was a dramatic story. And you're probably thinking they're sitting there thinking, Bex, I don't have one of those dramatic stories, but I guarantee you, if you look back over the course of your life, you can see time and time again where God has supplied every single need. He has not left you lacking because your God is a God who provides. When Boaz stepped in to take the right of redemption for Ruth, he didn't just take step in for the redemption. He stepped in and knew that he was also taking on the responsibility of provision. And I have to let you know that when Christ stepped in to redeem you, he knew he was also stepping in to provide for you because it's it's part of the deal. It's part of the gig. It's part of the duty and the responsibility of the kinsman redeemer, not just to redeem, but to provide as well. Your God is a God who provides. What area of your life do you need to start trusting him? Is it with your kids? Is it with your finances? Is it in your job, in your career? I don't know, your health. I'm not sure where you need provision in your life today, but you can confidently trust the God of provision. Amen? Number three, number three, I am part of a family. It's what you can know today. I am part of a family. Like Boaz did for Ruth, we too are grafted into a new family of God. Ruth wasn't from Bethlehem. She wasn't from, she was a foreigner. She was a Moabite woman who was living in a foreign land. She wasn't from Bethlehem. And yet, because of what Boaz did for her, her marriage to Boaz, Ruth became part of Jesus' lineage. How cool is that? She was able to step into the lineage of Christ and you and I get to do the same thing. What I love about our church is just the number of people from so many different nations all around the world. As I look across the room today, I wish you could see the picture that I could see as I stand here and look at you. Steve, there are hardly any Kiwis in the room. Like (laughs) there are people from so many different nations all around this room and it makes up who we are. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing about our nation and especially our church, is that you, many of you have left your home country, you came to New Zealand to, and you now call it home to start a new life. But, and that's all cool and exciting, but what, 
what many people don't remember is the fact that they've left every single family member they've ever known behind. Many of you, you came here, maybe with your immediate family, maybe it was just you, maybe you and your spouse, and what you left behind was every relative you've known. My family moved here from the UK when I was four years old, and we have a very big, very close extended family back in England. My, my, I don't think my nan ever forgave my mum for taking my dad away. <laughs> She always blamed her in the end. My grandparents, my aunties, my uncles, cousins, all of them back here. We moved to a country we'd never, ever been to. We'd only heard of and looked at on a map. Uh, Didn't even know anyone that lived in New Zealand. We just came. But what happened, what that meant for me as a child growing up was that on special days like grandparents' day at school, I didn't have anyone. there There was no grandparent to turn up for me, and so I'd go to a grandparents' day, and the really cool thing was that my best friend Sarah had a nana who used to take me in. And every grandparents' day, I could count on the fact that Sarah's nana would let me be one of her grandkids for the day. She allowed me to become part of the family. And I'm not sure what your family is like, what your like, uh, biological family is like. I don't know, I don't know if it's a bit dysfunctional. I don't know if it's a bit far away. I don't know if you're estranged with your family, not because of physical distance, but because of something that's gone on. I'm not sure. But can I tell you that because Christ is your kinsman redeemer, he has let you in. He has brought you under the wing of his kingdom God family. Come on, every single one of us. You have a family. You have a new family. You have a bigger family. You have a kingdom family. And it's it's way cooler than our biological family sometimes, you know? But he's allowed us to step into the lineage of Christ and become one of his brothers and sisters. It says it in in Hebrews 2 verse 11 there. It says, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That's why Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Isn't it an incredible thing to be part of a family? Number four, and the band can come and join me now. My redemption means redemption for others too. My redemption means redemption for others too. Uh, In Ruth chapter four, verse 14, it said, the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your own age. Indeed, your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better than seven sons has given birth. So Ruth has now had a child given birth to him. Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap and became a mother to him. The neighbor woman said, a son has been born to Naomi and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who we know as King David. The beautiful thing about Ruth's story is that it wasn't just redemption for Ruth, it was redemption for Naomi too. This was a redemption story for Naomi as well. Boaz was Ruth's kinsman redeemer, but now everyone in Ruth's family gets to benefit from that redemption story. I can't help but think that God's plan for you isn't just for you. That maybe God's plan for you is also about the people around you. That maybe the redemption story that God is writing in your life is not just meant for you, but it's meant for those connected to, close to you, those in your circle, those who you see, those who you communicate with, those who you're in connection with. Could it be that there's someone in your life that God has redeemed you to redeem too? 
And I wonder how his redemption story in your life could be a starting point for someone else's redemption story in your family. Who is it in your world that perhaps you think is, oh, too far off? What family member in your life you think, oh no, they're way too far gone for Jesus, for God. They're way too far gone for that. Can I encourage you that your redemption story is a redemption story for somebody else too? What wayward child are you tired and weary of praying for? Can I just encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on believing because your redemption story means a redemption story for others too. Who do you need to start praying for? Who do you need to start praying for again? What colleague? What family member? What neighbour? Do you need to start believing that maybe, just maybe, the redemption plan in my life is meant to help redeem another person's life as well. Amen? Come on, let's pray. God, we thank You so much for the redemption plan that You have given to each and every one of us. We thank You that You are our kinsman redeemer. We thank You, Lord, that You paid the debt for each and every one of us so that we could step freely into the plan that You've got for our lives. And Lord, we thank You, God, that You have called us to be part of Your family. And right now, we pray for every person in our world who doesn't know You. And we ask, Lord, that we would be part. We put up our hand and say, God, we wanna be part of their redemption plan too. God, I pray that You would help each and every one of us through sharing our story, through prayer, oh God, to be part of the plan, part of the story for somebody else to find their Redeemer as well. I wanna pray one more prayer with you. And I wanna pray it with you today. If perhaps you're sitting in the room with every head still bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and maybe you're saying, Bex, I don't know Jesus. I don't know this kinsman Redeemer. This, I'm not part of the family of God. Well, today I wanna give you an invitation. I wanna invite you to become part of the family of God. Perhaps you're, you've been here, maybe this is your first time or maybe it's not your first time in church, but you would be honest and say, you haven't really made that decision. Maybe you're watching online today and it's your first time watching and you just really get a sense that something is happening in your life. Well, I wanna let you know today that God loves you. He loves you and He's got a plan and a purpose for your life and He wants nothing more than to live in relationship with you and have you be part of His family. But the truth is, is that we all sin. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all go our own way. We all try and do it, our own thing. And it separates us from God. But in His mercy and grace, He loves us so much that He didn't want it to stay that way. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to live a sinless life on earth and die a sinner's death and pay that debt Remember that debt that we were all due for our sin and He paid it all on the cross so that you and I could live in relationship and freedom with God today and in eternity. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment and I'm gonna invite you, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it just in your heart. I'll pray it out loud. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I don't wanna embarrass you. I'm just gonna ask you, really make this prayer your own. Really own it. Are you ready? Let's pray. We say, dear Jesus, thank You that You went to the cross for me. Thank You that You paid the debt that I was due. I choose forgiveness today. And I ask that You would come into my life and make me brand 
new. Thank you for the plans and the purposes you have for me. I choose this day to live for you. In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I wanna do one more thing. I wanna encourage you, don't let praying that prayer be the only step you take. I would love to be able to see who I prayed for today. I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna ask you to stand in your seat. All I'm gonna do is count to three and on the count of three, if you could lift your hand up nice and high so I can see it, I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it and then I'll put it straight back down. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. Online, there's a button you can push. It says, I raise my hand. One, two, three. Hands going up all across the auditorium. Awesome, thank you. Awesome, I see you. Yep, I can see you as well. Thank you, yes. I've got you, awesome, I see you, thank you, wonderful. Anybody else, you're saying, Bex, would you count me in? I'll give a few more seconds for the online guys to catch up. Say, Bex, can you count me in on that prayer? I prayed it, awesome, I see you online. I see you, thank you. Anybody else? Bex, count me in, I prayed that prayer. I meant it with everything in my heart. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that you have just brought a whole bunch of new people into your family. God, I thank you that they belong here. They belong with you. And Lord, I pray right now, we just wanna celebrate as a whole party goes off. We praise you, God, for everything you've done in hearts and lives today. Come on, church. Would you give God some praise? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz